He's just a hack. He's just an absolute hack. And he gets his ass kicked by his teammates every week. It's just, you know, it's terrible. It's just terrible. Welcome back to Hack City. Joe DeLeo and Sean Anderson, two former college football players from the University of Rhode Island. And today we are going to be recapping. Wow, that was a bad voice crack. <clears throat> we are going to be recapping. The action from week two of the FCS playoffs. Sean, it's not the semis, by the way. It's not the semis. This is week two of the FCS playoffs, in case you need to be reminded that. After that, we get the quarterfinals, and then we have the semis, and then you can you know, tweet out what you want about the semis. Uh, before we get to that, though, can you share a quick word? With our listeners about Bet Online. Yeah, I'll tell all the jackass narc sticklers uh, that I guess have never been confused about a playoff format system or the terminology used in it. I'll, I'll talk to them about Bet Online. You made a bad, what a made a bad mistake. Loser you made a idiot. You made it. Who you, that cares was, what it's called? Who cares what it's called? I don't. And I admit it on the show <sighs> when I was talking about it. I don't know the difference and I never will. They all have different the semifinal terms. Semifinal means that there's cares? two teams left. Who cares i don't four teams left there's two games left how much do you care about that 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 it's called the semis on a scale of one to ten how much do you care the criticism that you got for tweeting about montana's ranking unjustified you're not knowing how a playoff bracket works oh my god i know how problematic works oh my god i know how it works i know how it works and i was right in that tweet and i was right i'm I'm a correct person but yeah i didn't i i I, pardon me I called it the semis when it should be called the double quarters or the quarters or the first, second round beginner trial. I don't care what it's called. I was right about the tweet, but because people can't handle that, they like to point out the one deficiency, the one tiny continuity error that that, so they can get some blood stirring going after a podcast host. Go screw bunch of stickler losers. If this is the reaction that you wanted, congratulations. You have a target on your back. I about you once. You've got a target on your back, so you got to be, I, I be correct. I guess I do have a target on my back, but I, oh my God, you don't understand how many times I revise tweets and I make sure that I put out exactly what I want to put out. I'm going to call everything the wrong the, uh, term from here on out. I don't care. I don't care, Joe. Bunch of losers up my ass about calling it the semis. Oh my God. All right, do Holy the read. Hell. <laughs> I'm reading the responses here while you do the read. Oh, yeah. And by the way, I only give snippy responses to those that were uh, just challenging me on that semis point. Everyone else that just had a fair, fair gripe. I don't care. That's fair game. Whatever. The holiday season is off and rolling. Can't you tell with my joy and exuberance of holiday energy to kick off the show? NFL, full stride, NBA, NHL. Uh, those are hitting midseason form. And then college football is obviously losing its mind. Bet online is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info. Be like Kwame, longtime listener Kwame, who sent in a bet slip from this past weekend where he went five for five betting on the FCS. Ah. He knows what he's talking about. Even if Joe or I don't always know what we're talking about, you might. You might know uh, a lot about your team or a team that you've played. So why don't you wager on it? Make some money. Head to Bet Online today and remember to use our promo code BLEAV. That's B-L-E-A-V for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Sean, let's start off with the first game to get really quickly out of the way here. South Dakota State beats Mercer 41 to nothing. I'm sorry, South Dakota State fans. I know that we've got a large contingency of you that tuned into the show, but this is getting the North Dakota State versus Drake treatment. Y'all, there's nothing to take away from that. That was a preseason game that you played in the second round of the FCS playoffs. 
I will say I found it extremely hilarious that the Mercer team tried to do the tough guy bit and warm up without their shirts on, and then they got smoked 41 to nothing. That never works. That never works, by the way. it There, there was nobody in South Dakota on the field for South Dakota State that was thinking, oh, man, these guys look really tough, man. They don't have their shirts on. We got to be really worried. No, they were laughing at you. Don't do that. But, yeah, quick takeaway. Um, blew past him. Mark Gronowski, Walter Payton Award finalist. Uh, great win for the Jackrabbits. That's all I got. Yeah. Yeah, not a ton to break down. I don't always oppose the shirtless in the cold. I think it's for yourself more than it is for the other team, especially if that other team consistently plays in that cold. It's so you can psych yourself up and say, this doesn't bother me. Uh, we're going against Goliath, and Goliath won this one. I've never really been that irritated by it. Uh, there are other pregame stuff, like all the meetings, all the meetings, meetings, meetings on the field before and the breakdowns and all that, but that didn't bother me as much. This game, it went exactly how we felt like it was going to go. I mean, go ahead. Let Isaiah Davis get in his, his full form in the playoffs. Good luck, everybody else. It's dangerous. Mercer, you played at the buzzsaw. You had a good team this year. You had a better team than I thought they were going to be after, like, week three. They made the playoffs, uh, and uh, unfortunately, you had to play South Dakota State. It's just unfortunate. They're a better team this year. The team that they will be facing in the quarterfinals, uh, they are going to get the chance to face off Villanova. Villanova, there were a couple blowouts. This one was actually more lopsided, a little bit of garbage time points scored by Youngstown State, but 45-28 to 28 for Youngstown. Early on, we started to see, first of all, I thought this game was going to be a lot closer. I Same. really thought that Young, Youngstown had some offensive prowess, and they were clicking early. This thing was close early, and then we just... Saw Villanova meticulously pick them apart, and they've got a lot of really good athletes. I think I underestimated the level of athletes that they have at receiver, at running back, at tight end, because they don't have a guy that put up 1,200-plus yards or 1,100-plus yards or even like 1,000 yards, really, at any of their positions. They just had a lot of guys that were like in that 800 range, a lot of just really good stats, but nothing elite. But as we see, it's more important to have a well balanced receiver room than it is to have that elite one and I think it was perfectly summed up by the highlight that was constantly recycled on Twitter and also on ESPN during these halftime shows the one play where uh, Villanova's wide receiver was just could not have been any more wide open it was a lob pass that was thrown to him and he streaked all the way to the end zone for a touchdown easy easy unscathed victory for Villanova and I'm going to be straight here i think it's mm. a very tough task to beat south dakota state but south dakota state should not take them lightly because they're a team that has a little bit of juice and they can move the ball quickly yeah villanova impressed me with their offense mostly because region pringle only got one catch for five yards and they still put up 45 points he has kind of been their dynamo on the outside at wide receiver he's been good he's the one that gets the touchdowns the long catches and connor watkins and company just made it work they made it work on the ground. Watkins was impressive. Two rushing touchdowns. Barley a touchdown. Jalen Jackson, we talked about him last week. He had two touchdowns on the ground. They took advantage of Youngstown State. And Youngstown, this is kind of what we saw all year, right? Like, they're going to beat the bad teams. And then when they play the good teams, it's going to be a little – they're going to be up and down. They're going to be a little inconsistent. They are not the team that is going to completely play up to their opponents. 
they'll beat the bad ones. They don't play down to other teams, but they couldn't hang. And it's just time in the season where we got to get real. Uh, Villanova expected the win. Villanova did win. Uh, South Dakota State, tough draw. That's the buzzsaw. No, mm-hmm. no bones about it. Layer up. And I feel like a lot of the theme of this show and next week's show and then the semis show will be about how teams do playing in the cold because that made an impact. Yeah, I think that, yes, it it definitely does make an impact. A lot of these high seeded teams are ones that have very, very frigid climates. I also, final thought, I really think that this is justification for anyone that criticized why there were two CAA, CAA teams ranked where they were. I understand that the other one, which we're going to get to, it was CAA on CAA. But a mid-tier Missouri Valley football conference team is not really on the same level as a top two CAA team. That, that's yeah. something that I feel like a lot of people just don't want to really recognize. They too think many athletes, that, too much speed, th- too many weapons. They think the CAA is the ACC, and I think that if anything, that there's a lot of really talented teams playing right now in the CAA. Um, so can't doubt them and can't look past them if your team that is not in that conference from the, the big sky of the Missouri Valley, whoever's going to be playing Albany and um, – Villanova next. You can't look past them because they will come out swinging in any game. South Dakota versus Sac State, Sean, 34 to 24. This one was uh, a hard fought battle. Sac State, interestingly enough, Carson Camp ends up playing uh, a vast majority of this game. USD's, though, their run game, man, it was just, it was cooking. It was in a rhythm. They had such an easy time it felt like just moving the ball on the ground. It was a, a not a grind-you-out game, but just like an easy, unscathed first down after first down after first down. What really killed Sac State, though, because they actually played a decent game, was the turnovers. There were just way too many stupid turnovers that completely took them out of the game. And when you turn the ball over as many times as they did, have a fumble that led to a touchdown, all of those issues, you're not going to win a football game even if you play really good football. Yeah, South Dakota, there was a clip that was going around that said that they, you know, one of the players, I think it was Charles Pierre Jr. that said that they had the best running back room in the nation. It's up there. It's up there as a room. When they're all firing behind that big offensive line, they're dangerous. You want, if you're playing, the, the blueprint for playing South Dakota is make them pass. Because if it's up to them, they'll split it right down the middle 50-50. They'll run past you to death. They will mix it up on your ass all game because they have the talent in the backfield that can surpass your average FCS defensive player. Pierre Jr. is great. Travis Thiessen, this game was great. 68 yards, uh, a touchdown. You combine the two, we're looking at damn near 200 yards, a touchdown between their top two rushers. That's What more do you need in a playoff game this late in the year when we're going to be facing tough conditions, when you're going to be pl- uh, playing staunch defenses? You want a team that can ground you into the dirt and they don't give up that many points, especially how we, how we saw Sac State be so strong last week. They put up 24, held them to 24, a Sac State team that was rolling, deflated them. The fight after the game was embarrassing. Who was it? Fulcher that threw the, that threw the, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I saw the scrap. I'm not it, reading too it, much it, into it. It was, yeah. it's just like, if you can do that, if you can make another team want to fight you after the game, which happened to us a lot, where we wanted to fight the other team a lot. A lot. Uh, that means that you were rent-free, you beat the hell out of them, and you won the mental warfare. 
because more times than not, when we were losing, I was buckling my helmet up and putting my gloves back on to go back into the into the mix of the handshakes in case a fight broke out because I knew that we just got our asses busted. South Dakota is a team that's capable of doing that. That's kind of the whole point that I'm trying to make. Uh, be wary because when they are clicking uh, and Aiden Bowman is protecting the ball the way that he did and just being efficient in the pocket, this is a thorough-ass team. South Dakota is a good team. A game that was very highly talked about leading up to the week and after the game. South Dakota, or sorry, North Dakota State beats Montana State in overtime 35 to 34 off of a blocked extra point. I'm going to get to that in a second, just to share the specialist perspective, being a former long snapper and why I think that that thing got blocked. Mm. But I have to acknowledge here, my lead into the game, I thought hit perfectly. A lot of these games over the stretch where North Dakota State struggled, there was this strange emphasis on Cam Miller, Cole Payton being the primary ball carriers. And we didn't see the same level of consistent North Dakota State involvement of their deep running back rooms like we've had in the past. And what happens in this game, TK Marshall, Raja Nelson, and Tamarick Williams, they all combine for 20 touches, which isn't crazy, but Tamarick Williams goes off for 162 yards on 11 carries and two touchdowns. But it helps that Nelson averages 9.2 yards per carry and Marshall averages averages 13.3. I think that very early on they realized that there was going to be this heavy emphasis on trying to eliminate the quarterback run game because Cole Payton and Cam Miller could not really get their game going. And they knew, hey, this has worked for us in the past. We need to continue to stick to this. And it was a back-and-forth game. The way that they were able to pull this out and put themselves at least in a position to win in overtime was because they ran the ball so freaking well. I'm glad you noticed that, Joe, because I noticed it also. Uh, the Montana State defense was keyed in on stopping everything in between the tackles. When they were busting the runs out on the perimeter with the running backs, the linebackers were already fitted too tight, so the blocks were easier, springing in massive gaps. And, and then that's why we see 70-yard touchdown, 40-yard touchdown, 45-yard touchdown. It was a perfect pivot from the game plan for North Dakota State. They said, oh, you guys are going to keep on crashing inside? Watch this. We got wide receivers that that can block. We got tight ends that can block. We'll close your asses off. We're going to give them a, a lane to glory. I don't need my quarterbacks running it. Look at this uh, running back room. Another top running back room when they're utilized like this. Impressive as hell, that coaching decision from North Dakota State to say, we're going to adapt and change, and we're going to run the hell out of the ball outside the tackles because they keep on fitting inside. Montana State played a hell of a game, though. Uh, Tommy Malott uh, really impressed uh, in this mm. in this matchup. Sometimes I don't know what it is about him. He launches that ball. He has a cannon. He is an athlete. He is strong. I'm in on him. There is some well, use for him on, on, on football teams, man. It, we got to definitely bring up, though, he did suffer an injury. There were a lot of people that were talking about yeah. um, the injury that he suffered and the significance of it. I, I just kept seeing a lot of individuals on Chambers was like, banged up also. Uh, yeah. He just broke off a, a pretty impressive run also. I mean, yeah. look, it, it was a fantastic game. It was a great matchup. Tons of dramatics. North Dakota, or North Dakota State just outcoached Montana State. Plain and simple. Because Montana State had the players. They were at home. I felt cold watching the game from my phone, freezing. I could feel it. 
I could feel it. I, I um, all that, yeah, go ahead. No, 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 I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, I thought that was funny though that you brought that brought up the, the by the way, Dude, I mean, is, on the time McCulloch touchdown or McCulloch touchdown, you, you see him score and you see he's got you know the sleeve, his sleeve. Mm. and then in the corner of the end zone, you see a massive pile of snow and frost and cold, and you're like, oh my god, it's 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 too it's too intense. Prayers up for Delaware for trying to fight through that, and we're going to get to that in a second. That was yeah. a bloodbath. I have to talk about this, though, and my thoughts on this, I think, are something that won the average. And like, I'm not saying this because I'm trying to be like, oh, you don't get what I'm saying. I'm not trying to like be an ass to. I won't feel that way. I, I, I play. No, long, yeah, I was a long snapper also. Wait, wait. I, all I'm just trying to say is I think generally most football players don't really understand or don't really know the intricacies of the kicking game. And most fans outside of that also don't understand the intricacies of the kicking game. If I were to make an assessment of what happened on that play, my best speculation is I think that because this kid and like, we've all kind of joked about this six foot eight kicker and he missed an important kick against Idaho that cost him. It almost feels like two things led up to this. The ball clearly came out on a low trajectory, which is always just a a nightmare situation for if a guy jumps late over the top of the long snapper and gets his hand up, that thing's getting batted down. More often than not, and there's a reason why a lot of kickers aren't built like punters. There's a reason why a lot of kickers are usually a a little bit more compact, normal sized in that six foot range. We never see a six foot eight kicker because a lot of times the ball does come out on a lower trajectory. Just from my experience being at camps, being around guys that played at other college programs, being around guys that were combo players and better punters, and just knowing that that aspiration for a taller player that was a combo, enticing them to to punt instead because they're going to have a much better time. I don't know if this kid was a combo coming into Montana State, but he should be punting. This guy should be punting. He looks like he's got a decent leg. He looks like he's got pretty good power. I just worry that one, that low trajectory cost him in this situation. And it also feels like there's so much more room for error in his setup. There is so much more room for error in his steps. And it feels like in this situation, the operation was definitely slower because it takes him a lot longer to get where he needs to, to swing on the football. I know that's very in the weeds, but that's just my general assessment on things. I'm not trying to blame the kid, but I just don't know if the whole six foot eight kicker thing really works. I don't know if he's being set up to play the best position for this Montana State team. And I'm sure that a lot, there were probably fans that gave him some pretty negative comments and, and people were trying to be negative about this. I'm sure that people were pissed off, but just understand it's not really his fault. It's a really big, hard uphill battle for him to succeed. I remember when I was at the William Mary Monmouth game and William Mary walked it off on a blocked field goal. I noticed how distinctly tall the kicker was from Monmouth. I can't remember exactly which one it was, but there was, uh, let me just read this off real quick. The Monmouth specialist uh, group, six, three, six, three, six, four, six, two. They were all tall. Whoever, whoever it was. I know those are kicker punters and one of them was a punter. I, I, I get it, but when he was kicking extra points and he was that tall, it was coming out flatter. And we noticed it early on. That's going to be a problem. That could definitely be a problem. It's coming out too low. A a hand should be grazing it. And lo and behold, it did. So I like your breakdown. 
I think the shorter kicker is the way to go. You get that arc and you eliminate a risk. You do. And for anyone who thinks I'm like over speculating on this, it's the same way and in, in almost the reverse of like, I'm not going to invest in a quarterback that is, you know, that's under or uh, under a certain size threshold. Actually, I think the better example here is having a six foot eight center is not a good idea. You know, like no. having like a six foot seven center, there's certain size profiles you look for these positions. And I think that this certainly applies for a kicker. I, I just, I don't know if the kid can punt, but I think that that kid needs to make the transition and start to punt because there, there's, it's twice now. It's, it sucks for this kid. I feel so bad for him because it's like twice now that it's cost him because, you know, they might've had a higher seed. They might've been in a better position. Who knows what could have yeah. happened if, if they beat Idaho and then here they are losing because of a blocked kick um it's tough well I'm, I'm glad we got the expert's opinion and not saying yeah. that sarcastically uh on the on the specialist debacle because there will be some bob bobcat fans looking for an explanation yeah albany versus richmond uh, this oh. is also a boat racing 41 to 13 i appreciate the albany football account tweeting out uh co-champions in regards to the fact that they beat Villanova by 21, and they also boat raced Richmond, who was one of their co-champions. My really only takeaway from this, we said this leading into the game, their defense is really freaking good. Legit. This is one of the best defenses in the country. They were all over, all over that defense. So many sacks, tackles for loss. I'm telling you right now that I think they beat Idaho. I really think that Albany is going to beat Idaho. That's interesting. Because I was left with a lot more questions about Idaho after their game than I was with Albany after their after their stomping of Richmond. Now, we had been telling you all season, and I'm not patting us on the back, but just acknowledging that we've been telling you all season that Richmond bit fraud soup. They've been drinking the fraud soup all season. They didn't play the, the gauntlet that Albany had played. Albany, legit. Poffenbarger, legit. Told you all about Woodell uh, or Woodell. Uh, last week uh, as well. They have offensive playmakers. They have dudes that can make plays and their defense suffocating. They have uh, they had a linebacker that was up for the Buck Buchanan. They have uh, uh, players on each level that make an impact and, and they don't let you get away with a thing. Incredibly well coached team. And this is how you dismantle a program in your own conference in the playoffs. This is how you dismantle a program build momentum and move the hell on. They knew all season Richmond was not worth their time. They knew that. And this is how they got past it. There was no questions left after this game. The only question left is how far do they go? What happens next? Not, oh my gosh, oh, it was tight. I don't know. I'm concerned about this facet. I'm not. They're a good team. I, I really do think – I don't think that they get past South Dakota State, but I really think that this team goes on to um, – potentially goes on to the semis. I, I think it's really, really plausible, especially after what you just said. I They're going to compete with Idaho. Idaho's worst uh, – the worst thing Idaho has going for it is that they're in a, in a dome. Iowa survives against SIU in overtime off of a field goal. 20-17 uh, to 17 was watching this. It was kind of the – replacement of Pac-12 after dark for me that I got to actually just solely watch this, not have anything else on. I want more just Kibby Dome. If With no more Pac-12 and all the, the scheduling issues, 
I say that every week ESPN two puts on Kibby Dome after dark. The I big sky, that's funny. Want that. I like to post on, no, no, on no, 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 no. I don't I, want I Big it. Sky after dark. No, no, I don't no, want no, Big no, Sky no, no. after dark. I'm Only saying Big Kibbe Sky. Dome. Would you let me say what I got to say, Jackass? <laughs> no. Big Sky Conference tweeted out Kibby Dome after dark. That's what you're getting. So you're not no, you're not having an inventive bit. take. They stole my cut me off. I didn't see that. Screw you. Yeah, I'm sure you didn't. Idaho reminds me in Washington a lot of ways, though. I will say this: I in just in the sense that I feel like they're a very adaptive team. They make adjustments and play different styles of football yeah. when they need to against certain opponents. So they did this against SIU. They realized that their guys weren't getting separation the way that they usually do. They realized that the pass rush was relentless, and they were coming after Giovanni McCoy. They started running the football, and they found success running the football, and that eventually helped them climb back into it after SIU was up for a bit. The punt return touchdown was huge for them. I still think that Idaho is a challenging team, but I just think that with the question marks, Albany's better than SIU, plain and simple. I think yeah. I think that Albany's going to beat them. Look, SIU is one of the more interesting teams I've seen this year, and maybe in a while. Because Nick Baker had a good game for Nick Baker, right? Or he did he did fine. A playoff yeah. game for Nick Baker went about how you thought it would. Ramir El- Elliott, the running back for SIU, played well. Five, 5.5 yards a clip, 91 yards, two touchdowns. And they hung in it, and God, are they tough. They When they want to be tough, when SIU wants to be tough, they are going to clamp you down. They impressed me. But they are just not explosive enough to get past Idaho. Idaho that was it. Boy, and, 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 and they Idaho switched the gear and said, look, they are they SIU controlled the tempo. They controlled the culture of the game, the environment, everything about it. SIU was controlling. Even if even while losing whatever, even even when they didn't have the momentum, they were still controlling it. It was their tempo their physicality, their pass rush, staunch in the run game also. Idaho's a gritty-ass team. They are a gritty team with, uh, like, I don't know, five more talented players than SIU, and they got over the hump. They did. Hayden Hatton got his. Anthony Woods got his. Stepped up. Maybe my player of the game, being able to carry the load, match it, and get done what he needed to get done. But Idaho had some times where they got bailed out. They got lucky. You shouldn't complain about getting lucky in a playoff game. Be happy to move to the next week. But this is not they, – they were not clicking on all cylinders. I think Albany does have the edge. As we predicted, Furman has a pretty easy time in the rematch against Chattanooga with Tyler Huff back. Big thing for me, they end up winning 24 – or sorry, 26-7. to seven. Yeah. Big thing for me that I'm really paying attention to for the next round against – Montana and we're, you know, we get to now find out everyone highly debated. It was, should Montana have been number two earlier on in the season? Should Furman have been number two? Dominic Roberto hung his nuts out there in this game, man. Like he, he <laughs> ran hard, dude. He is the perfect. I've been telling you back for Furman, man. He is big. He wears no I've been gloves. Telling you. He is a hard nosed SOB. The only thing that gives me a little bit of pause is the weather looked way too nice at that Furman on that Furman field. That I'm oh, kind of thinking it looked great. Are they going to travel okay if it's snowing again at Montana? But dude, I'm in on Roberto. 
they were a little slow to get going, which they can't do against Montana. But like, if they are in a position where this is a tied football game against Montana, I I gotta say, I'm not sitting here saying that I think that it's a foregone conclusion that Furman wins. I'm not sitting here saying that. But I I think that they are in a position where they have the offensive linemen and they have the running backs to grind you out, as well as a quarterback who can complete those passes necessary on third downs to keep your offense moving. I would have liked to see some more points, but still, Roberto, big dog in this game. There's not a ton to break down in this Furman-Chattanooga game. I said it last week. Chattanooga maxed out on their potential this year. They were a team that was going to go to the playoffs, win a game, then lose by 10 to 14 to Furman. That's what they that's what they did. That's what they were capable of this year. And they were not the chaos team, unfortunately. They just weren't. Furman still an a, excellent program, but travel well. It's still a problem if you got clear skies in Montana, Joe making that trek from North Carolina or South Furman, South Carolina, North Carolina, from the Carolinas to Montana in December. No, that's a nightmare, a death march. Delaware didn't have a shot. What no. were we thinking? Why didn't we check the weather? We should have known they didn't have a shot. And you're just well, like, so- Oh, of course you're, you're trying to march on the Russians in Russia you're, you're going to get cold. <laughs> don't, don't compare Montana to the Russians. <laughs> the, 49, the 49 to 19 ends up being the final score of that as you, you kind of well transition effectively into that game. Um, like you just said, though, as soon as I saw that there was snow on the ground before the game and his kickoff was oh, coming around, cut, I cut. was like, Delaware is not going to be able to succeed. And as soon as th- Delaware tried to throw the ball way too much and not reading the room. Not early on. They did not realize. And then by necessity, yes, they had to then throw the ball because they were down multiple scores. But you're never, ever going to have success throwing the ball as much as they try to in snow like that. I, I'm like kind of dumbfounded by that decision making. And it's just tough. You're you're going into a frigid area that you're not used to playing in. And these guys practice in it a couple times a year leading up to the playoffs, if not more than that. They're used to it. Here's the pro. I think Tom Brady having like five touchdowns in a quarter in the snow versus the Titans in 2011 impacted a lot of offensive coordinators that now have jobs where they're saying, wow, look, the pass rush ain't getting there. We could just drop back in the snow and let it rip. Not all snow is the same. Your quarterback isn't Tom Brady. You need to find the best guy on your team that can run the football in the snow. Maybe it's a safety. If I was looking at the Rhode Island program, I would have said, Sean Antoine, come back here, run the ball in the snow. Just because you're built well, you you would have been built well for it. I know you play safety, but we need to find the best snow runner. They're hard to find, and you you, you just don't know. LaShawn McCoy's stellar at it. There's other players that have just been notably very good snow runners. Delaware didn't have it, and they didn't find it. Montana just lives in the snow. So they're all pretty well equipped. Mm. We should have known. As soon as I saw it, but I, the fallout from this game – uh, the reactions from the Montana Stadium were pretty incredible uh, uh, about how passionate that fan base was, how loud they were, how impactful the Montana fan base is when they're playing at home in the playoffs, especially. Holy hell, buckle up, Furman. Yeah. You're not going to, you're not going to, uh, you can bring fans. They won't get heard. I don't believe it. it's just, it will be 
astonishing if this one is is is, is close. At Joe DeLeon, at Sanderson Radio, folks, thank you for tuning in. Make sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on our preview of the quarterfinals, not the semis. Enjoy the rest of your week, folks. We'll be back. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.